Glory to God. We're going to go get into a word today. We're going to not try to hold you too long. But we want to share with you something we feel like God has placed in our spirit. Amen. Today, 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 8. 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 8. And this is what it reads. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, it's referring to God answering him back, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Everybody paying close attention to the last two words, recover all. Fathers, we come today. We thank you, God, because you have blessed us so far in this service. This has been a a beautiful service, and your presence has been here. But now, Lord, I'm asking God that you will speak to our hearts as we open up the word of life. And give us something, God, that will help us, God, and encourage us to move on and closer to you and everything. And everything's accomplished. We'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Let the church say, Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Today I want to speak on a subject titled, Recapture. The essence of Christmas. Recapture the essence of Christmas. Now, as we look at our focus text in 1 Samuel chapter 30, if you're like me, your first reaction might be, how can this Old Testament scripture possibly relate to anything to do with Christmas? Well, I will admit I wrestled somewhat on whether or not to use this verse, but the verse best portrays what I feel needs most to be said in relation to the present need of today. Now, in our text, it speaks of a time when David was trying to escape from the hands of King Saul. And everybody knows what happened to David and his relationship to King Saul. And this verse of Scripture is right in the middle of all that time. There was a time that while he was he was living in even in a cave, and as he was living in that cave, the cave of Adullam, the Bible lets us know that men began to begin to gather to David. Those that were uh, discontent and those were in need and going through all kind of problems himself. Uh, David was like a magnet, and he he drew. All those people, and there was around 600 men that came to him 
And the Bible says that David became captain over all those men. Uh, But during that time, David was constantly running and trying to get away from King Saul because you know the story. We're not going to go into all of that. But Saul was trying to kill David. He had a great jealousy uh, on David. Uh, And after a while, David began to get weary of running and hiding. And the Bible says he even thought within himself, he said, you know, Saul's liable to eventually catch up with me and um, apprehend me and, and kill me. So he left for a time the, uh, the country of Israel. He left Israel for a short period of time. Um, and he went into another country. And he met up with a king there, the king of Gath. And at the time, the king gave David a city that him and his men and their families could dwell in. (coughs) It was a city called Ziglag. Now the Bible says David was there in that land not quite a year and a half, about a year and four months. And... While there, David and his men would go out on different military expeditions and and fight different enemies and things of that nature. And one time, while David and his men had left Ziglag on one of the military uh, battles, another enemy come in and attacked (coughs) and invaded a lot of cities, including Ziglag. And the Bible tells us that the Amalekites, they burnt that city and they took captive everything of value, including the women and the children uh, that was there that belonged to David and his men. And that is where this verse picks up, where David was inquiring of God. He didn't know what to do. I mean... All those men that come to David and they was at the point now they was ready to kill him. You know, they said, Man, we followed this guy and look where he's got us to. He ain't he I mean we lost our families, everything we got of value. And they they was even discussing killing David. So David didn't know what to do, so he began to acquire God. Let me tell you something. There's always gonna be times in your life that you're going to get between, as the old folks used to say, a rock and a hard place. And you're not going to know what to do. I've been there many a time. I've been there many a time where I didn't know what I was going to do. And it's no better time for you to go to God than in those times. And pray as David did, shall I pursue Shall I go after? And God spoke back to him almost immediately. And he said, pursue them because you're going to overtake them and without fail recover all. Now, my message today has got nothing to do with David. 
but rather the times that we are living in. I believe everybody will agree, and those that may be watching my live stream today, we are living in fastly changing times. Amen? Hallelujah. I mean, it's amazing how quickly things are changing. The principles, the values, and the lifestyle that made us who we are as Americans in this country are being invaded upon and attacked. The Christian faith is frowned upon and maligned and spoken against everywhere you look. And even Christmas has not been exempted from those who have invaded and captured the very essence of what Christmas is all about. And many who call themselves Christians even have forgotten the meaning of Christmas. Hallelujah. Love, compassion, and caring has been replaced with greed and riding. I've got a picture I want to put up that first picture. Now I want you to look at this picture on a so-called Black Friday and I want you to see all the peace and goodwill toward men. How much peace and goodwill toward men can you see in that picture? And I hope not. I hope not, but some of those people, some of those people after this Good Friday chaos that happened this past year in many Walmarts and other places, some of those folks might be singing in the Christmas Christmas choir the following Sunday. Hello, somebody. Love, compassion, caring has been replaced with greed and riding. Just a couple nights ago, (coughs) Interstate 24 East was shut down completely for several hours because of another road rage incident. Somebody got mad at somebody else because they thought they cut them off and pulled a gun out and began to fire shots into their car. What kind of idiotic person will have any kind of thought to pull out a pistol and shoot into a car not knowing who is in that car just because you're getting mad because you think they may have cut you off? What is that? I tell you what it is. It's another end time thing that's being overlooked. There's a lot of rage in this world today. It's not like it used to be. Amen. When I was in my 20s, you never heard one report of a road rage incident like that. Did you know the Bible said in the last days, one of the last signs of the second coming of Christ, that people would get in fits of rage. 
get mad at the drop of a hat and just go bonkers over the least little thing. They're not being controlled by love. They're not being controlled by compassion. They're not being controlled by Christ. They're being controlled by the devil. And like it or not, if you... If you're one of those, one of those people that you have to deal with about to fit and rage, you better be going to an altar and praying through, sweetheart, because you won't be going to heaven like that. Sorry. All this stuff, amen, is what's being attacked today and what we're having to deal with. Love, compassion, and caring has been replaced with greed and riding. Put up the next picture. You probably never will see this sight nowhere. Wrong. Everywhere you go, you see this. Last time I went to a doctor's office while I was sitting in the waiting room, I remember there was a time when I'd go somewhere in public, like a doctor's office, and sometimes people would be talking back and forth so well, well, with different ones so loud that just it would be kind of irritating. I wasn't hearing no talking, so I just kind of looked around. And all people, about 15, 20, in that, in that doctor's office, they were, they were looking just like what these kids were looking like and doing. I'm talking about... Things that's been invaded in our lives and changed in our lives. There's some things that God says you better get recovered. Now, what I'm talking about right here with this particular picture, family quality time is virtually non-existent because our minds have been made robots and human contact and interaction is a thing of the past. This out, but dealing with young people myself in the school. Do you know the kids coming up right now do not know how to interact with one another? And the real one of the chief reasons is because of this right here. Everybody's got their head down doing this all the time. They don't know and realize that the devil's unstole something from them and they don't got sense enough to realize it. No family time. <laughs> we talk a lot about what parents have quit teaching their kids. And one thing that parents need to go back teaching their kids, amen, is good manners. This is not good manners if you're in public, sitting around a dinner table in your home, I don't care what you make of it, there's only one word for that right there. It's rude. Some people think it right now. Pastor should stay out another week. But this is burning in my spirit today because. Just like the enemy come in 
and invaded Ziglag and took out everything of value the devil is doing in our lives. He's doing in our lives. Now, we all know that things need to change. And somehow stop the madness which is destroying our hope, our culture, and our future. Come on, somebody. There needs to be a change. We're going down a fast slope from which there's no return. How do we do it? How can we enact change? How can we recapture the essence of Christmas and also our total lives and the principles that we were raised up to believe and follow as children? Well, let me tell you, If you're looking for change to happen in Washington, D.C., you can forget it. Because there's nothing going on up there but a circus. That's about all you can say about it. How do we bring about change? Like him or whatever or not. There was some good things that a man by the name of Michael Jackson portrayed when he was in this life. And for me, one of the best songs that he ever had, he said, I'm looking at the man in the mirror. I'm telling him to make a change. If you want to see the world a better place, you're the ones got to change. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. If you want a better life, if you want more happiness and peace and contentment, nobody else can turn that around for you but yourself. You got to be willing to do something. You got to be willing to take the first step. And if you're willing to take that first step, God will come in and He will give you what you need to do. To continue, can you say amen? Hallelujah. Change will only happen when the church returns to be being the church. And we can start right now. The best time to start is during the holiday that seems to be the most important Of any for us. I'm talking about Christmas. We can recapture the true essence. Of what the day is all about. Each person can make up their minds by declaring. I am going to be a part of the solution. And not a part of the problem. Hello somebody. It's got to happen. It's got to take place. If the church will be the church, then we can turn the tides of this whole nation. 
and take back what the enemy has stolen. Now let's talk just briefly a little bit about what is the essence of Christmas. That's a point that I want to bring right now. Hallelujah. You can take that picture off and we just move on. What is the essence of Christmas? The most famous verse quoted in the Scripture reveals the true essence of Christmas. And in that verse, there are two things. And I want to share those two things with you today. And they're found in John 3.16, a verse that we all, most of us can quote. In that verse are two words that compile the very essence of what Christmas is about. What's, what's the first one? Love. And what's the second one? Gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Within those two words, if we can get back and we can get a hold of those two things, we can recapture not only the essence of Christmas, but our whole lives and what it means just to live a great and glorious and fulfilling life in this life and not just wait to the sweet by and by. <coughs> Without love, let's talk about love for a minute. Without love, there can be no real Christmas. I don't care how much decorating you do. I mean, I grew up, you know, when I, when I was a kid, we thought, man, we were doing good by having a little bitty small Charlie Brown-looking Christmas tree in the living room. Some of you might know what I'm talking about, a Charlie Brown Christmas tree-looking Christmas tree. Because we didn't have a whole lot. And now, some people got them in every room of the house. And not saying anything about that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not condemning that whatsoever. But what I am saying is this. Without love in your life, you can have a tree in every house, even in the bathroom. You can have Christmas lights hanging everywhere. We got wreaths hanging around here. We got up, up here and the lights and, and, and all that and all these decorations right around here. But you know what? None of that stuff makes a true Christmas. None of it. Hallelujah. There are some people who won't have none of those things that you got at your house this year, but they'll have a better Christmas than you. Because there's some love in their heart. In order to recapture the essence of Christmas, we must recognize that love 
was one of the seeds of the very first Christmas. For God so loved the world. Brother Ronnie, that's why we have a Bethlehem, because God loved. That's why we had the shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night and came to the manger because of love. That's why two or three years after that, not right at the same time, I have to plug this in, but that's why wise men traveled from the east on such a long journey. Uh, you, may have a, you may have a nativity scene with the wise men presenting their gifts there with Jesus laying in the manger, but that didn't happen. It was two or three years after that before they made it. Go back and reread your Bible. They, Mary and Joseph had done got them a house to live in by the time they got there. We were talking about this with somebody before church. You know, it's, but it's, it, it's, hard, it's hard to combat tradition, you know, but I'm just telling you what the truth of the matter is on it. But if it wasn't for love, those wise men would never made the journey. Amen? Hallelujah. It's all because that God loved. Now listen to me. Listen to pastor right here. We must place love in the center of everything we do in celebrating Christmas. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 14. What's that say? Let all that you do be done with. If you give a gift, don't give it because you hope to get one back. Now, I'll let you in on something that there's one thing about the older you get, you, 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 you gain more wisdom because you see more stuff. And I, I, have, I have been around churchgoers when they were writing out Christmas cards to mail out. And I actually, not no, I heard from through the grapevine, but I heard this with my own ears, the people writing out, the church people writing out Christmas cards, and they say, well, I'm scratching their name off because I've given them, I mailed them a Christmas card for the past three years, and I never got squat from them. You just soon to quit writing all Christmas cards. You may think you're celebrating Christmas, but the devil's just got you tricked. He's got you bamboozled. If what you're doing is not done with love, it's not Christmas. It don't mean anything. I don't know what you're celebrating, but you're not celebrating Christ. Woo, why does pastor have to get so hard this time of the year? Mm. We must place love in the center of everything we do 
when we celebrate Christmas. Let all that you do be done through love. And then that other seed of Christmas, that's the essence of Christmas, the word given. For God so loved the world that he gave. Now from the love that is in the heart of God sprang forth giving. God gave because he loved. Do you hear what I'm saying? God gave because he loved. So giving come out of love. We have we have allowed receiving to overshadow giving. Amen? Some people put more emphasis on receiving than giving. That person that was writing out the Christmas cards I told you about, they had more emphasis on what they received than what they were doing. And parents need to play a greater role in teaching children about giving over receiving. I firmly believe that the worst thing that a parent can do is give a child everything they ask for. You say, well, I just love them and I can't, I can't turn them down. Well, you've been a bad parent. If you do everything to your child because you can't turn them down, you're not much of a parent. Sorry. you got a responsibility to train, to teach. There come, there come a time in my life with my, with my dad, when my dad told me, says, if you want some allowance, you're going to have to do some work around here. I didn't like that concept at all. I liked it better when I was younger and they just handed me a quarter. When I got old enough, I didn't like the I didn't like the concept of having to go outside and I really tell them my age right now. But I didn't like the concept when I had to go outside and not put gas in the push mower, but get out there and get that real mower and push across the front grass and watch it as a grass, no motor on it. Anybody ever seen something like that? Hmm. I didn't like that concept. But my daddy was instilling something in me. He was teaching me something that everything is not going to be given to you in this life. If you want something bad enough, you're going to have to work for it. Hello, somebody. That's one thing that kids are not being taught today. So parents need to play a greater role in teaching their children about giving over receiving. When receiving supersedes giving, you know what happens? And I'm, I'm fixing to wind down. I'm fixing to close. But when, when receiving supersedes giving, greed and covetousness 
will be birthed in our lives. America has this problem. I've heard Brother Travis say before, <coughs> we, he said, we, we say that America's been blessed by what we got. He said, but actually we've been cursed. And that's a whole lot of truth in that. It's a whole lot of truth in that. Because greed and covetousness has been birthed in many lives because they, they look to more to receiving than giving. The last scripture that I'm going to read comes from Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. Love, giving. And winding up my message today, you want to be blessed? It won't, it, it won't be adding a dollar bill to your billfold or, or bank account. It might take one or two out. But... Have some compassion and love for somebody who's not been blessed as much as you. Be a giver. Um, my supervisor sent all the drive, bus drivers a, a message and a picture yesterday where one of our school bus drivers received recognition uh, from one of the news agencies in town. And uh, this lady, uh, this past time, the past uh, quarter of the school year, she passed out gift cards to her kids that had good grades. And when cold weather come, she gave, gave them all a hat and a pair of gloves because she knew where she was picking up from all of them in that area, you know, was in a very poor state, and they they didn't have a lot. And she was recognized for that. But I guarantee you that lady didn't do that just to be recognized. Matter of fact, the Bible lets us know when you do give your alms, don't sound a trumpet ahead of you. He said, "When you, the Bible says when you give, don't let your right hand know what your left hand does. He said, because your reward will be great in heaven. Today, maybe Satan has invaded your life, your home, your family, your health. I want to tell you today that you can recapture what the devil and the enemy has stolen. Hallelujah. David didn't sit back and take it. He went to God. And when God gave him the word, 
he told that army that was getting ready to kill him, he said, put on your swords, boys. He said, we're going we're gonna to mount up. We're going after what the enemy has taken. And I hope and pray to God that beginning with the holiday period, that everybody in Christ's family church who celebrates Christmas will celebrate the true essence of what Christmas is all about. Let's all stand.